Coming up on We Talk News This Week, the U.S. Senate continues to battle for federal reform, but now a Safe Banking Plus bill might be the only change in the U.S. The Empire State of New York hands out its first legal cannabis licenses as officials ponder how big that market will be in a few years. Nebraska shuts down a ballot initiative and more state reports from coast to coast on We Talk News with Elena Pinto next. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and welcome to Weed Talk News. It's another week of inaction from Congress on cannabis reform. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden is admitting the votes may not be there to pass the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which is a bill he's sponsoring alongside Senators Chuck Schumer and Cory Booker. However, Wyden says he remains hopeful that Congress will enact some key reforms on cannabis this session. Law firm Dwayne Morris is reporting the senators have said they would be willing to consider more incremental cannabis reform, such as safe banking, with added equity provisions. Some say a safe banking plus bill may be introduced which would ensure equitable access to financial services for minority-owned cannabis businesses and require financial institutions to prove compliance with anti-discrimination laws, among other things. So let's check in with Vote Pro Podcast, Phil Adams, for what else is happening in the nation's capital this week. Hi, this is Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News DC Report. A bipartisan group of nine U.S. senators is urging the State Department to reclassify another U.S. citizen as wrongfully detained by the Russian government. The letter says former Marine Mark Fogel is facing a, quote, disproportionate 14-year sentence for possession of less than an ounce of medical cannabis. The most common sentence in Russia for such an offense, the letter states, is five years probation. The senators say Fogel meets the official criteria for consideration as wrongfully detained citizen. Such reclassification would entitle Fogel to enhance diplomatic resources to secure his release. A senior White House official said last month that the administration has been looking at the case, but that no announcements have been made. The U.S. Forest Service issued a warning to its employees to remain drug-free. The Human Resources Division of the USFS posted a notice this week reminding employees that marijuana is still federally illegal and advising them to refrain from using it, regardless of state laws. The notice says that although cannabis is legal in some form in most states, there have been no changes to the list of Schedule I drugs under the Controlled Substances Act. The Forest Service will continue its policy of random drug testing of any employees suspected of using marijuana, as well as regular testing of those in test-designated positions. A positive drug test will result in administrative action that could include removal for the first finding of illegal drug use. The federal government will begin reimbursing customers of an Arizona-based cannabis company for making misleading medical claims about its CBD products. The Federal Trade Commission announced this week it will issue refunds to 576 customers of Cushley Industries, LLC, 
The FTT, the FTC says the CBD products these customers purchased from Cushley were quote deceptively marketed. The action appears to stem from a complaint that the FTC filed against Cushley in 2021, alleging the company made claims that their products could treat everything from cancer to acne. It coincides with stepped-up efforts by both the FTC and the Food and Drug Administration to identify cannabis companies making unsanctioned claims about the medical benefits of their products. The FTC said the customers will receive payment either by check or via PayPal. Refunds will be about $36 each. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Since banking with cannabis businesses is still federally illegal, most states with medical or adult use have tried to figure out their own system for financial institutions. But now the plans for one state's budding banking plans seem to be going up in smoke. Jesse Lynn Dolan has that story and more in this week's Vermont Report. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. VSECU, the Vermont Credit Union that was poised to work with most, if not all, Vermont cannabis companies, has just sent out notification that they are temporarily pausing all aspects of cannabis banking due to the large and sudden spike in accounts. Having reached what they call their company's regulatory limits, they state they will need to adjust their internal cannabis policy procedures and staff before they can resume any cannabis banking. With adult use right around the corner with retailers slated to open on October 1st, many Vermont cannabis businesses are concerned of a market start delay as well as increased banking fees as VSECU holds the monopoly share for Vermont banking needs. Cannabis Control Board Chair James Pepper recently stated that the board would look the other way for those cultivators who have a license application pending for cultivation and planted their crops before approval. The Cannabis Control Board did not hold a public meeting the last two weeks and thus have not approved more licensing. Vermonters will continue to remain in limbo as licensing and banking concerns are intoxicatingly high. Burlington City Council recently approved a new requirement as well, mandating that cannabis retailers who want to open up shop in Burlington need a city permit before they can sell products to the public. Rural Vermont is hosting a three-day Korean natural farming and regenerative gardening workshop at La Fincha Farm in Washington, Vermont. For more information, visit ruralvermont.org events. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse and gangier, Jesse Lynn Dolan. Things are flourishing in the Garden State, or so it seems. The final deadline for cannabis licenses in New Jersey is looming, and 300 business owners already hold conditional licenses to get up and running. The problem is many of them still don't have the space to do business. New Jersey correspondent Jill Goldsbury explains what's going on in the Garden State this week. Hey everyone, it's Jill in New Jersey for We Talk News, and this is what's happening in the Garden State this week. Well, we're all pretty familiar with the term conditional licenses in this industry. Well, many of those first-time entrepreneurs that have gone through the grueling process of obtaining a conditional license, obtaining a conditional cannabis license, are finding themselves in quite the conundrum. They are, they have the license, but they're being priced out or beaten out of opportunities to secure retail 
to, to secure solid retail establishments in a town that will accept cannabis adult retailers in the proper amount of time. They're being undercut by larger multi-state operators. And this is for an aspiring for an aspiring operator with conditional licenses to obtain an annual license. There are several steps. First, they must obtain, they must secure a permanent location for their operation to gain municipal approval and then submit acceptable operating environmental impact workforce development and security plans to the cannabis regulatory commission in order to get in order to get the annual license so that being said this will allow this will allow for them to officially open up shop now, conditional license recipients are forced to deal with the limited amount of real estate in the market and the limited amount of investments in the market. It's difficult to navigate even for the pros, so imagine what it's like for a small business to, for the average applicant to uh, navigate all of this. Making it worse, investors are favoring established multi-state operators to invest in over the smaller startup. As it stands in New Jersey, there are only 78 municipalities that will allow for adult cannabis retailers. So it makes it even more difficult. Lots of competition for retail space. Ed DeVoe, president of the New Jersey Cannabis Business Association, said that we are still less than 30% of municipalities that will have that have actually opted in. So that makes it so that makes real estate a very big challenge for many license holders. And he also stated that his organization is currently working with a number of municipalities in the state to convince them to, to opt in to adult use cannabis. Independent operators like Linda Solano of Cannavibes, who recently secured space in Elmwood Park after months of petitioning the town. She was finally able to convince them to allow micro-businesses a Category 5 license to operate in the township. She was advised many times to go into cultivation because of the competition, but she stayed the course and it has been an uphill battle ever since for space, even having to negotiate 2.5% profit share with her landlord. In New Jersey, if you know anything about the real estate here in New Jersey and the landlords, this practice may not even be legal. I'd love to hear from a New Jersey cannabis lawyer about this. Please hit me up, Jill at goldenmediarelations.com and give me your take on this so we can report on that because we don't know if that's actually a legal practice for a landlord to ask for profit from a cannabis business owner. Let us know, we'd love to know. And on that note, the report, the best thing that the state has come up with so far to help recipients is a brand new bill that was signed by Governor Murphy on June 30th, which allows the which allows the state to actually provide. It's a bill that allows the state to actually provide grants and low interest loans from the from the state economic development authority to small business cannabis applicants who were previously banned from applying because of the federal prohibition on weed. This bill will help provide access to capital for small businesses and diverse business owners alike. And this comes approved and sponsored by Nicholas Guattari, who actually crafted the recreational and 
medical bills in the state. So there is a little bit of relief. We'll stay on top of the story and keep you informed as this develops. I'm Jill Goldsberry for We Talk News New Jersey. Have a great day. U.S. Senators are calling for another American to be released from behind Russian bars all over cannabis. American citizen Mark Fogel is facing a potential 14-year sentence for possessing less than one ounce of cannabis, which he's registered to use as a medical patient in Pennsylvania. But so far, no diplomatic action has been taken on his behalf. A coalition of bipartisan senators have sent a letter to Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying Fogel meets several criteria to be considered a wrongfully detained person, which would entitle him to enhance diplomatic resources to secure his release. We will keep you updated on Fogel's fate, as well as that of Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. Costa Rican President Rodrigo Chavez says he intends to bring recreational cannabis legislation to the country's legislative assembly, as well as publish rules for medical marijuana and hemp businesses. The president said his administration is preparing regulations for medical marijuana and the cultivation of hemp for industrial purposes, which the country legalized before he took office. With more international news now, here's Debbie Facey with the Canada Report. Hi, this is Debbie from We Talk News, your Canadian correspondent with your Canadian Weekly Joint of the Week. This week, what we have in Canada going on is the monopoly being reframed by the government after the cyber attack that we had in early August. Since that cyber attack, we've had a more of a sporadic way of delivering the product to stores in order to make sure that some stores are not getting too much product versus the others and to ensure that they aren't going to be having any more hiccups in the near or closer to near future. What we also have in the industry is a recall of over close to 40,000 units from the company XMG Cola, which created a drink, which unfortunately was labeled incorrectly. And what I mean by incorrectly, I mean as their THC and their CBD percentages, percentages were not in any way reflecting what the actual product had, which was a four to one versus a close to one to one, zero to zero amount of cannabis and THC that was actually supposed to be listed on the label compared to what was inside the beverage. The microgrows that are popping up in Canada have been part of the application process for the year of 2022, where smaller growers are able to now not only grow their own product, but are also able to sell and distribute to dispensaries and the OCS. With Quebec being our capital, but having some of our most extreme laws surrounding cannabis use and cannabis distribution, microgrow has been something that has been in the works and a lot of the applicants have been given the go ahead on their plans to be able to to create these but at the same time due to all the extreme laws that quebecians do have to deal with it is making the process a little bit more difficult in order to actually fulfill i am debbie facey your canadian correspondent with your weekly joint of the week
cannabis goes green in a whole new way as Canada is swamped with a surplus of weed. Alberta-based Aurora Cannabis is diversifying into the vegetable propagation and ornamental flowers business. The company has acquired a controlling interest in Bevo AgTech, one of the largest suppliers of flowers and vegetable seedlings in North America. Aurora now controls 50.1% of the company to the tune of $45 million in Canadian cash. Meanwhile, it's still earnings season for cannabis companies. And Deborah Borchardt has the details and this week's green market report. I'm Deborah Borchardt with the business update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. I'm actually in an outdoor grow in Massachusetts this week. Getting into the news, SNDL, formerly known as Sundial, is buying the Valens Company in a deal valued at 138 million Canadian dollars. This acquisition is going to make them one of the largest adult use manufacturers and retailers. They're going to have 185 cannabis stores under the Spirit Leaf and Value Buds banners. Terrasen completed its acquisition of the Michigan dispensary chain Pinnacle Emporium from Kisa Holdings. This acquisition includes six dispensary licenses, five of which are currently operational. And finally, in a fairly depressing letter to shareholders, the Oregon-based Chalice Brands dropped a truth bomb about the industry's woes. The letter starts out nice enough. It talks about macroeconomic trends of inflation and higher interest rates and how that's affecting consumers. But then they go a little further, and then they say that Oregon's cannabis operators have been beset with repetitive theft, increased overhead, and excessive competition. So at least they are transparent in telling everybody what's going on out in Oregon. And those are your big headlines for this week. I'm Deborah Borchardt for the Weed Talk News. Some big brands are landing in Michigan. Stizzy, one of the industry's most popular brands, has opened its latest retail store and its first in Michigan in the city of Ferndale. And get ready to rumble, pro wrestler and New World Order co-founder Kevin Nash is launching his own cannabis strain in partnership with the cultivators behind Hyman Cannabis. And High Times reports he'll be debuting it during dispensary tours on September 2nd and 3rd. So with that, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson. Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, what's up with the Canadians again? This week, a semi-tractor trailer was discovered containing 11 kilos of ecstasy and 350 pounds of cannabis after it had crossed into the United States from Canada at the Port Huron border crossing. The truck made the crossing successfully, but then parked in the lot of an abandoned building and began unloading its cargo into a van. Port authorities busted the group, then snagged a second vehicle, which was pulling up to the unload site. The agents raided a house in Detroit, which was connected to the automobiles, and a total of four people have been arrested and charged. Look, Canada, come on, give it a rest already. We here in Michigan take Ontario's trash, we take your nuclear waste, we take your musicians and actors and make them into stars. Ryan Reynolds, I'm looking at you right now. But stop trying to make Michigan the dead pool of your cannabis overstock problem. And please, keep the X on your side of the border. Our cities are full enough. More gauge? More cookies? Yeah, Michigan, get ready for both because their parent company, Terra Send, has completed a takeover of five stores in Michigan, 
which will be rebranded to those nationally familiar names. If you live in the cities of Addison, Buchanan, Camden, Edmore, or Morency, you will be seeing one of your favorite stores turned into one of these two retailers. It costs about $28.5 million to buy the stores, but you know Gage has the cash to do it. Once the rebrand is complete, the TerraSend footprint in Michigan will have grown to 17 stores. The Michigan invasion of the national brands is in full swing, and there's nothing the CRA or the USA can do to stop it. And we told you on the Michigan Report that 2022 would be the year of great reckoning in Michigan's cannabis space, and the loss of local ownership in the cannabis sector continues to grow. Like it or not, we're in the middle of a revolution in the Midwest cannabis growth period. This industry is full of deals just like this one, but not all those changes are announced with press releases and news stories. You have to do the research and keep an eye out for yourself, people. Dr. Mehmet Oz, he's running for U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania, which is a medical cannabis state, and his opponent is pro-cannabis Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. John is the current Lieutenant Governor, a Democrat. Oz is a Republican. Now, the supposed doctor has previously supported cannabis law reform, according to Marijuana Moment, having called cannabis the most underused tool in America, and once declaring that the nation could revise our policies on the big green trees. But that was before he decided to run for office in a state he arguably does not even live in, and now his RNC overlords have him attacking Fetterman on cannabis law reform. His latest ad features an image of Fetterman dressed as one of the Sith Lords from Star Wars with his head open like a book and a bong floating out of it. We can't make this stuff up. Fetterman lives in a state which supports legalization of cannabis at a 58% rate, but Oz seemingly isn't impressed with things like popular opinion or the will of the people. Fetterman, for his part, hung a pot flag on the balcony of his office in the Capitol building. Now, what's the tie-in to Michigan, you might ask? Mr. Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, consulted with Michigan's lieutenant governor, Garland Gilchrist, on how best to implement cannabis legalization in the Keystone State. Now, when these two tall guys get to talking, it might be difficult for us on the ground level to hear them, but I can promise you, Mr. Gilchrist gave John the super-duper lowdown on how to get a Michigan-style program up and running. Now, compared to New Jersey... Ohio and Illinois, Fetterman is right to look for a Michigan model to implement in the more populous state of Pennsylvania. Best of luck to John Fetterman in the upcoming November election. More Michigan communities are trying to come on board with cannabis businesses. Alma's City Council just approved an effort to move their cannabis ordinance forward. Brighton has been forced by the courts to place a pro-cannabis business proposal on their city ballot, and even Eau Claire, Wisconsin is considering a local ballot proposal to allow cannabis in their community. Now that effort is chaired by a college student, and the vice chair is the county supervisor. Nice. Wisconsin sends a lot of consumers into Michigan's cannabis stores, and we thank you very much for that. And the state will vote on a non-binding referendum proposal regarding cannabis legalization in November for that medical-only state. Now, a great deal of canna attention has been poured into those towns 
which border Ohio, Indiana, and Wisconsin, every time a move to adopt more favorable cannabis laws is launched in those states, it will have an effect on the profitability of those border town retail stores. Best wishes to that team in Wisconsin. And for our final story, Marijuana Biz Daily issued a mid-year report on cannabis sales, and Michigan's performance is exceptional among states. Our rate of growth percentage in the adult use sector since January is bettered by only Maine. Yet our percentage decline in the medical program is equaled only by Colorado. Regarding medical, most states with both medical and adult use programs are seeing medical programs decline sharply. Compared to the same period of time last year, Colorado's med program shrank 43%. We're not far behind them. Our med program in Michigan shriveled up by 41.3% over the same period. Other states with significant declines in their medical programs include Oregon, Massachusetts, Arizona, and Illinois. Concerning the adult use industry, Michigan is firmly in the number two spot nationally for cannabis sales year to date. Michigan's $188 million in sales in just July beat the hell out of Illinois' sale figure by $50 million and it beat Colorado's by $60 million. Still in the top spot, that show-off state California, which had a staggering $430 million in adult use sales in the single month of July. Now, Michigan's program is charging forward with an increase of 47% over July of 2021, while Cali's huge numbers actually represent a 9% decline from July 2021. Now, despite the steep decline, Michigan's July medical sales figure puts us in the fifth spot nationally for sales in that month, but that is a list that does not include California. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. And finally, we've probably all come across a bunk cannabis product, something that just wasn't quite up to snuff. Well, now some consumers are being paid back for that inconvenience by the feds. This week, the Federal Trade Commission said it will be sending a total of $21,000 to cover the costs of Cushley Industries LLC products that were deceptively marketed the FTC says nearly 600 people were misled by false medical claims by the supposed CBD company. When you split up that payout, each person will be getting about 36 bucks. It may not seem like much, but the federal government giving refunds for CBD products certainly proves that it's a whole new world of weed out there. So keep using it wisely. And that is all for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. 
I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.